The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, and we think it is true. What's the buzz on the street today? Well, I have an interesting buzz from an author named Andrew Miola, M-E-O-L-A. I've quoted him before on some of our Game Changers shows. He's certainly out there with timely information. I have a, an article from him in Business Insider dated December 19, 2016. I'm just going to read you one sentence from the article to set the stage here. Andrew Miola said, we are headed for a world that will have 24 billion IoT, that's Internet of Things devices by 2020. Now, let's do a little bit of math. We're here in July 2017. 2020 is just on the horizon. You can almost touch it and taste it and feel it. 24 billion devices, that's a lot. So let's talk about what this means to us. Well, to bolster our personal safety and our business security, you know what I'm talking about. We're cheering on the Internet of Things. Yes, we want sensors. Yes, we want connectivity. We want devices. We want our systems into integrated in our services. We even want smart homes, smart cars. We want everything to be smart and talking to each other. But wait a minute. Think about this. Cameras. Let's use that as an example. Ubiquity. That means they're everywhere. Some are out in the open. Some are hidden. We have cameras on car dashboards. We know about a lot of police reports recently. We have wearable cams on bodies. We've got hidden cams in homes. Think nanny cams and businesses to catch people doing bad stuff when they're not supposed to be, when they think we're not watching. If you watch crime shows on TV, you'll see somebody in the crime unit saying to the local store owner or cop, hey, can we get the footage on that camera. You've got three cameras facing the street and the crime was committed last night between 10 and 12. Let's see. And they'll send somebody to collect all the footage, the recorded footage, and try to put together the crime scene. Oh my. Sounds exciting. Sounds great. But wait a minute. Hold on. There's a catch. These advances make us and our private, in, you know where I'm going with this, and our private information vulnerable to prying eyes, prying ears, hacks, cyber attacks, intrusions on our privacy, whether it's just walking down the street. I'm thinking of Do What Diddy Diddy, the song there. She, never mind. I'm thinking of, of our personal information. If you have a wearable medical device and you're transmitting personal health data to a physician or a hospital, how do you know who's going going to see it. Maybe you don't want anybody else to see it but your doctor. So, question on the table today. Will Internet of Things, the Internet of Things, we're going to fondly call it the IoT, will it help make the world safer or just more complicated? And what price will we ultimately pay? This is an 
ethical issue. It's a future issue. It's a today issue. It impacts everybody. I have two very special guests who are going to help us kick this topic around the virtual roundtable here and figure out what we think is going to happen. In just a moment, I'll be introducing you to a newcomer to Game Changers. He is Ravi Kondamur. He's a platform architect at SAP. And when I introduce him, he'll tell us what that means. And joining us is a returning guest, Adam Mardini, Chief Architect with Customer Innovation and Enterprise Platform at SAP. Gentlemen, welcome. And now... Hi, and Ravi has sent us a quote from Khalil Gibran. Anybody scratching your head? Come on, you know, 1883-1931, he was a Lebanese-American artist, poet, and writer of the New York Penn League, and he was considered a literary and political rebel. Aha! His romantic style was at the heart of a renaissance in modern Arabic literature, and he's chiefly known, I'll tell you now why you know his name, chiefly known in the English-speaking world for his 1923 book, The Prophet, Inspirational Fiction. Let's just stop there. So here's the quote Ravi has selected for us today. Quote, if you reveal your secrets to the wind, you should not blame the wind for revealing them to the trees. Ravi Condemore, such a pleasure to welcome you. How are you, Ravi? I'm good, Bonnie. Thanks for having me over. We are delighted to have you over. I wish you were sitting next to me in the office here. And I'd love for you to tell us how you picked the quote. We're talking about connectivity. We're talking about sensors, maybe spying and hacking. So how would Khalil Gibran relate this topic from the wind and the trees to our modern-day issues? Go ahead, Ravi. Okay. Good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all the listeners out there. Uh, when Khalil Gibran made this quote almost 100 years back, uh, we really don't know what the situation or the circumstances were that made him make this quote. But in the next few minutes, we will we will see how relevant it is to today's uh, lifestyle that we lead. Connectivity is change changing the the whole uh, change is making a large impact. Right? Uh, we are we live in an extremely connected world. Uh, connectivity has evolved over the ages. It started with transportation, then came communication uh, changes such as radio, television, telephone. Then in the last 30 years or so, the internet, the mobile phone, the smartphone, uh, social media, internet of things, all of this has made us live in an extremely connected world. We are not only connected, but we also share, interact, share uh, stories, share news, real news, fake news, uh, share data, collaborate on various activities. The, while this connectivity has resulted in a lot of game-changing innovations in the last few years, whether it is healthcare, uh, retail, uh, financial services, we have all benefited from this sharing, collaborative uh, environment. Businesses are no longer siloed. Uh, individuals are no longer isolated. Uh, and products don't necessarily operate in a sandbox anymore. Everything is connected. Everything is mm-hmm. exchanging all the time. Now, the, the, while this is all good to us and the businesses are booming, the individuals are benefiting from custom products and services, there is a dark side to this. The dark side is really that we've put out so much information about us uh, to the public uh, view that we are extremely vulnerable. Our data can be used, uh, uh, misused, abused by hackers and cyber criminals 
that will compromise uh, our lifestyle. Um, that is why the quote from Gibran is very relevant. Uh, he is talking about how we will, if we were to ever put uh, information about us, we can't be blaming somebody else for the problems that uh, this might result. So we need to be extremely vigilant, careful about what we say, to whom we say, and how we share the data. Data breaches are very common. Even yesterday, there was a telecom operator who who divulged that uh, uh, almost uh, 10 million uh, profiles have been compromised. So this is this is going to be the uh, the uh, the future. Uh, the future is not, is always going to be a little bit insecure. Uh, Bonnie, you mentioned the word that uh, you know is this going to be complicated? I wouldn't yeah. say it is complicated. I would say that it is more an inconvenience. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything inconvenience. It's a social uh, dilemma, if you will. I mean, when we are asked to drive on the right side of the road, uh, not on the other side, it may be an inconvenience at that time. But these inconveniences are necessary to maintain law and order, to maintain uh, uh, a, a, a kind of a, 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 an environment where people can thrive. Uh, so, I, would, I mean, yes, things have changed and it is not going to go back to the way it was, but it is, it, it is the way forward. And we need to uh, adjust to the new reality. Thank you very much, Ravi. Very interesting. And, and I so appreciate the quote you sent because I think it sums everything up that we're trying to say. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by your comment that it's not just complicated. I, I guess it is inconvenient, but there is also, I would say, a complexity to how how we're doing it. You know, it's not just talking on the telephone, having somebody tap in from a switchboard or sitting next to you and say, oh, I heard what Ravi said on the phone to so-and-so last night. So there, I guess there is behind the scenes or behind the curtain there may be complications but inconvenient is probably a word I agree with as well as scary I think we have to introduce the the idea of scary so you're right the quote is perfect Ravi the quote is so beautiful I want to crochet it on a pillow but I I don't have time so we'll just have to say it on the radio so thank you Ravi pleasure to have you on the show and now let's turn to Adam Mardini and Adam has picked a quote from Jody Rell if you don't know who she is full name Mary Jody, J-O-D-I, Rell, R-E-L-L, born in 1946. She is an American former Republican politician. I'm not sure where former fits in there. And the 87th governor of the state of Connecticut in the U.S. from 2004 to 2011. What's interesting is that uh, she had such high approval ratings on the December 2004 Quinnipiac University Polling Institute. She had an 80% approval rating. As Connecticut's second female governor, it was the highest rating ever measured for a governor in Connecticut in that poll. And then when she went on to run, she was appointed, went on to run on her own a few years later in 2006, she got more votes than any gubernatory candidate in Connecticut history. Very interesting. So an accomplished woman, very outspoken and very controversial. Here is the quote that Adam has selected from Jody Rell, very appropriate to our show. At the end of the day, the goals are simple, safety and security. Adam Mardini, a birdie, tells me you're in Buenos Aires. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Bonnie. Actually, I am in uh, Buenos Aires. It's a beautiful day, although the southern hemisphere, they have winter, 
but here it's really mild winter. It's like 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, which is about, I don't know, 20 some degrees uh, Celsius. It's a very beautiful day. And uh, the coat that I selected, it's, it's really a great coat to hear, especially from a politician. If you ask anybody what are their goals, life goals, they would mm-hmm. tell you, I want great wealth, great health, uh, I want to have joy, happiness, I want to have uh, whatever I can have out of this life. But they totally forget about the most important thing. It is safety and security. And I love what she said, because what is important, if, 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 how important to have all the wealth in the world, but you have no safety and you have no security. Or you have a great health, but you could die the next day. If, if you are living in, in a, in a world three area that, that uh, they are fighting middle war, like uh, civil war, mm-hmm. like uh, Syria, for example. Mm-hmm. So this is really important. And, and people somehow, they neglect to, to look into the safety and security aspect. I do agree with, uh, with, with Ravi that, that uh, safety and security is, is really important, especially in the world of IoT where there is uh, explosion of, of information that, that uh, we are throwing out, whether we like it or we don't like it. Every time you go to shopping or to go to the mall and you buy something and you use a credit card, that is just another piece of information that they collect about you. And uh, I don't mind as long as it is used the right way. Mm-hmm. But just like what Ravi said, that uh, it can be misused. It can go the other direction. And, and there have been so many incidents that, that uh, I don't need to mention those incidents. I mean, I'm sure our listeners, they can relate to, to something that, that happened to one of them or someone that they know where they get hacked or security was uh, vulnerable and uh, it had a really negative effect on, on them. Uh, I love the coat. And, and Judy is, is one of the best politicians that uh, listeners can, can read about. Uh, I yet have to find a politician that I trust 100%, but she is really high on my list. Very interesting. She certainly achieved a lot of popularity, which seems to be a measure that's applied to so many politicians up and down the, I'll call it the food chain of where you are in the political landscape today. So 80% certainly was an astronomical number that probably everybody would desire. But Adam, let's, let me get back to what you've said about the quote. Yes, uh, we would love our safety and security, especially with our information, which can lead to a decline in other types of safety and security. But it's very interesting that, uh, and we could talk about this a little bit during during the roundtable later, who among us, in terms of demographic cohorts is the term, who is willingly giving their information to uh, social networks, to medical people, to who is sharing so much about themselves? And it could be the millennials who are actually now reaching up into the mid-30s age range, shock and amazement, right? Uh, but But who among us are willingly sharing information and, as Ravi so aptly quoted Khalil Gibran, telling the secrets to the wind, which is telling it to the trees. So a a question that arises, gentlemen, in my mind is, whose responsibility is it to decide what level of security is applied to what parts of the information we share over our sensors? So, for example, if we have a smart refrigerator, I mentioned smart homes, we have a smart refrigerator 
and it's t- saying, oh, uh, Ravi is out of milk and eggs, and it sends you a message, Ravi, stop by the such-and-such store on your way home and pick up milk and eggs, or else we're going to order them from Amazon with two-day delivery, and don't worry, it'll go on your other credit card, so, so you don't have to see it on your main card, blah, blah, blah. Do we want s- something to be taking that much control of our lives with information. We've given it permission. This is an ethical, moral question. Is it a governance question? Let's just kick this around for a minute before I find out what's in your cup today. Ravi, what's your thought? Who is in charge of these decisions on how much security we have and who gets to see our information? Is it us or is it the recipient of what we're telling to the wind? What's your thought? Well, uh, I mean, the technology is always going to push the envelope, right? And that is what we are mm-hmm. seeing by smart refrigerators, smart toasters. I mean, you can infuse smartness to almost every device today because the sensors are out there that can hear, smell, uh, uh, you know, uh, process data, make decisions. So, however, as a young consumer, do I want somebody to make the decisions for me? Think of it this way. I mean, children today, they at a certain age, as they reach adolescence, they want to make their own decisions. You can tell them what to wear and what to eat, but they don't care. So we are, parents are the sensors as far as the kids are concerned. So we can view the sensors as saying, okay, it is a convenience, it is out there when I need it, but do I need it 24 by 7? Do I need it to make decisions? No. I would prefer, like when, when I buy a refrigerator from a, from a manufacturer, I would like as part of it for by default to be configured as something called an opt-in model where I have to explicitly make my choices of what I want the refrigerator to decide for me. Now, I don't want that behavior to be out of the box, but mm-hmm. knowing that it is there, will allow me to make an informed decision and turn it on when I'm not able to do it on my own. The opt-in model is what we need for all these smart devices. Yes, there are certain other devices like sensors out there on the road, monitoring the traffic or monitoring the temperature, uh, all these, right, or surveillance cameras out there. Yeah, we don't Mm -hmm. have a choice because those are all deployed in the public forum. So when it comes to the public forum, Yes, the government can make those decisions, and we know that uh, we are being watched. But then inside the privacy of my home, I need complete control and autonomy of my decisions. Thank you very much. Interesting, uh, Adam Mardini. Love to get your thoughts on this. Very, a lot of issues around the table here. Adam, what's your observation? Well, I, I do agree and disagree with, with Ravi. Yes, we need to have the absolute control of, of every IoT device in our possession. But they need to be some guide, guidelines. I mean, if, if the government, and I believe the government, they need to have some reasonable guidelines in there. Imagine if, if you are sitting at, at home or you have a swimming pool and you are in the backyard in the swimming pool enjoying yourself with a few friends having a party, and there's a droid, somebody flying a droid and, and videotaping things live over the Internet. That's mm-hmm. invasion of privacy, but there is no rule that prevents that. Because the, the, the explosion of, of information, it, it's, it's really growing at really an alarming rate. If, if you go back a few years, a few decades, we used to have planes, uh, remote control planes that uh, they fly and with a small engine and, and they can last for, for a reasonable amount of time. All of a sudden, somebody decided that uh, this can be battery operated and this can be lightweight and I can mm-hmm. put a camera in there and I can store 
things on, on a chip or I can use Wi-Fi and then that's it. And then the price went from a couple of grands to, to a few hundred dollars. Right now you can buy one for less than a hundred dollars. And, and there, there was almost zero guidelines, and, and especially in the U.S. I mean, the U.S., the only thing they have is you cannot fly a droid near an airport. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Or near it. an airplane. That's it. But beyond that, there is nothing. Which, what very are, interesting. What, what is the privacy? And that, that's a great question. There's a very provocative sexy ad on US TV now. Ravi, I don't know, and, and Adam, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's very popular. It's probably viral within the first two minutes. Uh, some sports a star, a, a young man, very attractive, is in his, in his briefs, shall we say, and he's in a hotel, and he steps out to check a noise in the hall or get the newspaper under the door or something, and he locks himself out. A maid... Uh, in the, in the hall is coming down the hall with her cart and she sees him and recognizes him as somebody very famous and very popular. She very quietly slips her phone out of the apron on her uniform, snaps a picture and instantly transmits it to social media. She lets him back into the room realizing that he has lost his key, that he's locked out and he goes back in the room. Within seconds, you see that image transmitted all over the world on the internet. You see the reactions of men and women and boys and girls saying, oh my, the admiration actually. And you see the woman, the worker, smiling like a Cheshire cat. And then the man is back in his room and he checks his email and he realizes that the photo of him caught in his underwear in the hall has gone viral within seconds. He smiles. So there's a question there, isn't there, Ravi? Isn't there, uh, Adam, if he weren't popular and used to public scrutiny and putting himself out there, quote-unquote, would somebody, anybody else, have wanted that to happen? And as you said, Adam, where are the rules? What was the rule against her taking that? She could have been fired, but instead everybody was happy. So, Adam, quick reaction to that, and then Ravi, and then we'll go to what's in your cup today. Adam, what do you think? Would you want that to happen to you? Absolutely, possibly not. I mean, that is in no way that, for, for goodness sake, I mean, that's a scary thought just, just to close my eyes and just think about it. So uh, the answer is no. The, the short answer is no. The long answer is no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, they're glorifying this. They're glorifying this unregulated privacy. And the idea, I guess, is like if, if you're throwing out a chair or you put it on the curb, anybody can stop by and pick up the chair because it's become public property. It's garbage at the street, right? And I know communities have regulations about picking up what people are throwing away versus letting the garbage man pick it up. Um, <laughs> but honestly, Ravi, what do you think? What about the privacy issue? What would you say? Right. So, so if you look at, I mean, the character you just mentioned, he is a celebrity, right? For them, this is a way of life. They've always been under the eyes of, uh, of paparazzis, constantly being harassed and uh, accosted, right? That's not new to that person. And since you also said at the end of it, uh, he smiled after seeing the, the, the photo go viral, maybe it was intentional. This is how celebrities uh, act in this way, right? Today, everything is like an advertorial, right? It's not an advertisement. It's not an editorial. It's a combination of things. So there is real news, fake news. So 
personally, I wouldn't want this to happen to me, and I know it's not going to happen because I'm sure that <laughs> maid doesn't care about me, and uh, I'm not a celebrity. It's not going to go viral, so there is no, no, no loss, no gain there. So I don't think uh, that's a problem for a normal human being, but uh, you know, normal people. But then, if you're a celebrity, I mean, you do need this. I mean, you've seen all the reality shows and people who want to, who are leading a life in a fishbowl, right? To so to say. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who want that, who want that uh, glitz and glamour, who want to be, uh, you know, constantly in the limelight. So Absolutely. for them, it may be a, a boon. But for, uh, you know, most of us, uh, this is just, uh, again, another inconvenience and it probably will fade away quickly in today's, I mean, uh, extremely, extremely, you know, noisy data, uh, you know, data deluge uh, environment. I found who it is, by the way. It's Cristiano Ronaldo, R-O-N-A-L-D-O. And it was an optimum. Right, right. right. Football. uh, He's a real Madrid star. He's locked out of his room. It got thousands of likes. He's a famous football player, and he has posed for underwear collections before. It's an optimum, which is a New York uh, cable vision, uh, now Altice. That was their commercial, and it's all over the web. It's on uh, all ALLTVspots.com, and it's called, uh, let's see, Optimum commercial Cristiano Ronaldo locked out of hotel room so there you go anyway very interesting I thought that would be a little provocative and of course gentlemen it's an extreme example because as you said Adam no now no 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 we we don't want that he welcomed it but there was still an edge of privacy and I thought it was a very bold commercial but it certainly does talk about it wasn't a sensor it was a camera but but uh IOT is everywhere. It could have been caught on a hotel camera as well and gone viral. So you know what? Now it's time to give the two of you a little pause. But before we take our break, we'd love to know, well, I know where you are, Adam Mardini. Ravi Condamore, where are you calling from today? And what do you love to drink? We want to get a little personal with you, Ravi. So what's the favorite thing you love to drink any time of the day, anywhere in the world? Ravi, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in, uh, uh, in Cupertino in, the, in a home office. Um, I'm, it's overlooking my backyard, and my wife has done an, a phenomenal job of uh, of putting all the plants, and uh, it's blooming. This is the right season for all of this. Um, I like to drink um, a yogurt, a buttermilk blender drink called Chaz. It's kind of the, the spelling in English would be C H A A S. Uh, this is an Indian drink. It is uh, a diluted buttermilk infused with uh, roasted cumin, uh, salt, and a little bit of cucumber. Uh, it's a very refreshing drink for the summer, especially after a workout or after a long run. Uh, this is very invigorating, and people in India drink this all the time to beat the heat. Uh, it is It keeps you hydrated, and it cools you down. So that's the drink I have. It's about uh, 7.30 here in the morning, and the sun has come out. And I just did a quick uh, run around the block before the call, so I'm just drinking that. Well, I have to tell you, Ravi, that we've had, oh, we probably had about four or 5,000 guests on Game Changers Radio since I started this gig, if you will, <laughs> in October 2011. And I think you are the first one to use 
the term or tell us about CHAS. And I did look it up on Wikipedia. As Adam knows, I love to be quick on the button here with Wikipedia and with Google. And CHAS, pronounced CHAS, and known by several other names as a yogurt-based drink popular across India. In Indian English, it's often called buttermilk. Very interesting. My dad, who, who uh, passed away over 20 years ago, Ravi, he was a doctor, a physician, and he would go with my mom to nice restaurants. He loved to have buttermilk with his dessert, not coffee, not a brandy, not tea, not cappuccino. He'd ask for milk and sometimes buttermilk. And the restaurant staff were always confounded saying, but doctor, we don't have buttermilk. And, and you know, there is a way to make buttermilk at home. It's not as good as a real thing. But I, I think he would have really loved to have known about this drink. I think it would have been in the refrigerator all the time. So Ravi, thank you for that introduction to that. And Sir Mardini in Buenos Aires, what are you drinking today? Is there anything special that's local you'd like to tell us about? Well, uh, I'm drinking the office uh, instant coffee and it tastes horrible. <laughs> and I would love to drink my usual coffee in the state. Uh, I travel around the world, and I collected uh, coffee from some of the really great spots in the world, and uh, I, I got to, to taste really great flavors. And also, I'm, I, I like to drink tea. There are uh, one uh, region uh, in, in uh, Hangzhou in China that produce one of the best tea in the world, uh, there's also the matcha, the, the Japanese mm-hmm. tea, and uh, I love to drink both of those, but unfortunately, I'm stuck in bonus areas, and I don't know where to get good coffee, so I'm using the office machine, which is, they told me it is not uh, bad coffee, but it is bad, so uh, I can't complain. I'm just waiting for a couple more days to be back home and drink my usual tea that uh, I personally bought from uh, China. Well, you know what? We're going to have to do a shout-out to everybody in that part of the world and say Adam Mardini is looking for a good place to get great tea and great coffee in Buenos Aires when he leaves the office later. So anybody want to help Adam, you can just find him. Just tweet to us here at hashtag SAP Radio. We'll check it during the day, and we'll tell Adam where to go for that coffee. Privacy is off the table right now, Adam. You realize that. We've we've posed a personal (laughs) challenge of yours on the the radio here. So we're going to take a quick break. topic is a a challenging one. We're talking tech, but we're also talking ethics. We're talking decision-making. We're talking governance. We're talking whose decision and whose job is it anyway to protect our privacy while we are invoking the power of IoT sensors everywhere to help us be safer and more secure, our personal lives, our business lives, our information. What is the trade-off? What price will we ultimately pay or will we be rewarded for sharing so much information? So much more to talk about with my very special guest, Rob. Ravi Condamore and Adam Mardini, both at SAP. Ravi, before we go to break, tell me, what is a platform architect, please? What do you do? Well, I'm part of the Global Center of Excellence team. Um, I work exclusively on products related to big data, machine learning, data science. Uh, I, In my previous life, I used to be a hands-on developer, but in this new role, I'm helping uh, customers of all sizes, all all verticals, all domains, uh, help transform themselves into a data-driven company. So what it means is, like we said uh, earlier today, or in all this, uh, the conversation, the last thirty minutes, 
it's all about data everyone wants uh, is sharing data the businesses are exploiting the data whether you are sh- giving out the data willingly or unknowingly doesn't matter data is being generated of your presence and i'm hell i work with companies to exploit the data i mean exploit is not a good word but to really mm-hmm. harness the data for intelligence insights and action so that they can produce the products and services that the customers are willing to pay for that their customers are willing to pay for Thank you very much, Ravi. So now, now you really earned the break. So we're going to say to the audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, or that drone. And by the way, somebody at the handle drone underscore en has retweeted my tweet. Uh, Adam, I was tweeting while we were talking. I said, with drones flying over your home and sharing video of you, where is your privacy? With the hashtag privacy, hashtag drone, and drone underscore en has already retweeted that. So whoever you are, thank you very much. And we're glad you are on board listening to the show. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. 90 seconds is all we're taking. You don't want to miss the rest of the conversation. IoT, game-changing our security for good or for bad. Adam Mardini, Robbie Condemore, stick around. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Exactly. That's where we are. Speaking today with Ravi Condemore and Adam Mardini, both of SAP. We're talking about the IoT game changing our security, our safety. But is it for good or for bad? Well, all good intentions may have a dark side. And that's where we're going to go right now in our conversation. Ravi has sent me a bunch of interesting notes before the show. And here's where we're going to go. We're going to look at that dark side. Uh, Ravi poses the question, can the IoT sensors be hacked to cause widespread damage? So we're going 
beyond the personal question, widespread. And he says, while IoT sensors will play a vital role in ensuring citizen safety and security, the sensors themselves are vulnerable to hacker attacks if improperly designed and deployed. And he'll give us some examples. Ravi, please tell us more. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so the sensors, the IoT sensors are like your, are, are not like your traditional sensors, which we were all uh, used to in the past. These are sensors that have a tremendous amount of intelligence built in, data processing capabilities. Uh, they, they make decisions on behalf of you, like uh, we saw this example of a smart refrigerator where it can order food. But think of uh, these IoT sensors that are deployed to protect and preserve the environment, the power grids, the the financial services market, uh, the chemical plants, so on and so forth. So they can be, come. the the sensors come in a variety of shapes and sizes, uh, but they're always on. Right and and they collaborate. They exchange data with one another. They exchange data to a cloud-based platform or to another sensor so that they can make decisions on the fly. Now, since they are extremely connected and uh, on the internet, it is vulnerable to attacks from the outside. So, a, a, a bad actor can literally take over. Uh, uh, the the traffic uh, cam network and cause chaos in the city. Uh, he can he or she can bring down a power grid with a couple of uh, of viruses or malware. Right. So we know that today our PCs and phones that we carry with us, when they are connected, they are all uh, subject to malware and uh, ransomware and things like that. Now this is this could happen to the sensors themselves. The sensors need to be protected then physically, not only physically, but also architecturally by design. So there are multiple layers of the sensors, everything from the sensors that senses the environment that picks up the data to the operating system, to the processing layers, to the connectivity layers. Every layer of this is vulnerable to outside attacks. Now, the sensors can, uh, there could be many different ways in which you can bring down a sensor network, right? You can cripple it completely. You can spoof the network in a way that it gives out wrong, inappropriate data. For, For an outsider, you may not know that the sensor is down, but by making the sensor behave differently than it was designed, that is, by sending out spurious data, there could be a lot of uh, downstream decision-making that can be completely misguided and fraught because of the spurious data stream that is coming in. So everything needs to be protected, the integrity of the data, the integrity of the, the, the sensor uh, as to what it is sensing. So there is quite a bit of effort that is going on. I don't think the, the sensors out there today have really gone into that extreme level of design and protection. There is still a long way to go. Companies are doing it. But like in anything else, unless you get attacked and unless something is compromised, you don't realize the fault because it is very difficult to get to a point where you can uh, test out all sorts of real-world vulnerabilities uh, at, 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 from the factory uh, standpoint. So over time, this is going to get stronger. I mean, more attacks are bound to happen. Hopefully, uh, nothing very disastrous. But then... Uh, then it's only going to improve the quality of these sensor networks. 
So definitely it is a cause of concern, especially with uh, 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 real-world daily-use products getting connected. There is connected cars, smart homes, smart cameras. Everything is getting smarter. Everything is getting connected. Now that opens up the possibilities as well. So that is what uh, worries me. But but it, but it is here to stay. Connectivity and decision-making and sensor network is here to stay. But uh, hopefully nothing disastrous happens and, uh, you know, we continue to improve the quality and the security of these products. Thank you, Ravi. Very interesting. Adam, love to get your thoughts on this, and then I have a question for both of you. Go ahead, Adam. Well, uh, I tend to agree with Ravi, and, uh, but I would like to ex- explain. I mean, I just add my little bit uh, flavor, a little bit of color to it. I firmly believe that this is just like what Ravi said. This is multi-layers. And each one of those layers need to have the adequate responsibility of providing the appropriate security on their layers. So uh, remember a few years back where uh, I think it was Chrysler that they had uh, a hack into their system and uh, people can cripple cars even while they're moving. So who's to blame? Now, we have to talk about the service provider. So if, if I'm, I'm in my car, then I'm using their uh, uh, GPS and using their system, and somehow that's uh, using my mobile connection. And uh, my mobile security, I don't think it's the greatest, but it's supposed to be there. Then there is the device itself security and the manufacturer, and then you have the user on top of it. How many of the users that they go and get something with IoT, even, even uh, let's say that they have a repeater or they have a Wi-Fi device and they just go with the default password mm-hmm. or they don't apply the high level of security just because the level of simplicity in adopt, the adoption of high security is not there. So there had to be a balance between making the, the high security accessible and simple. Right now, it is complicated. So the further you want to have better security, the more complicated it's going to get. And unfortunately, some, some changes, they, they could be simple changes, but some changes need to happen. And, and they have to increase the level of security and safety for all of us. Imagine if, if hackers, I mean, you recall in 2010 where uh, the CIA and uh, I think Israel at the same time, they created a virus, I forgot the name, uh, to cripple the nuclear uh, research and nuclear facilities in Iran. So somebody can do the opposite thing from, let's say, another another country, and they can cripple the, the U.S. Imagine if all the banks went down for, for, for a week. A week, two weeks, three weeks, four, four weeks, and what's going to happen to us? We rely so much on using our credit cards and our ATM machines, and, and nobody has enough cash to survive for, for an extended amount of time. So security needs to be there. And security needs to be complex. It needs to be high level of security, but it needs to be the complexity needs to be shielded by a level of simplicity. How many of the users, they go and buy a phone, a mobile phone, and they sit and read the manual? Nobody does that. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it needs to be simple. But don't you think that there are a lot of securities built into your mobile phone? 
Yes, they are. Why don't they use the same thing into the IoT? And, and that's where I believe that the manufacturers and each one of the data layers, I mean, going from, from the users all the way down to, to the manufacturer and every layer in between, they don't have the, the adequate security. And if it's there, it is not as, as simple as it should be. Just my two cents. So, well, I like your two cents, and that takes me to the question I wanted to pose to you and Ravi before I move into something from your notes. We still have more time. Uh, Adam, I'll ask you first, whose job is it? You, you talk about these levels of security. Do we wait until something happens that is bad to go to a manufacturer and say, well, why didn't you design it more securely? Why didn't you think about it? Not like it's not in the news. It's not like it's a secret that we have vulnerabilities. So at what point does the responsibility fall on and on to whom? Just a brief answer, Adam. What's your uh, go, go for four cents from you this time? We'll up it from two cents to four cents. Adam? Well, that, that's where, where I believe that the government needs to put some kind of guidelines in there. Okay. Right now, there, there are minimal two to zero guidelines. And, and by the way, the virus, I just Googled it. It's uh, the Stunex, uh, Stunex, uh, Stuxent uh, virus that was created by uh, the CIA as well as Israel to cripple uh, the uh, Iranian nuclear uh, labs in, uh, over there. So uh, we have to have a government intervention here, and, and they have to, to increase the, the, the boundaries, and they have to push the bar a little bit higher than, than what we have right now. Uh, the government has, has mandated for, for the longest time to have adequate security on, on our ATM machines. But I think the level of security that, that uh, they have mandated, they are meaningless right now. I think anybody with a bit of mm-hmm. intelligence and connectivity he can get into the network and he can cripple an entire bank. So it is really scary. And I know it happened a few years back to Bank of America. So it's really scary. Thank you. And it was Stuxnet, S-T-U-X-N-E-T. That was the, they call it the uh, flame computer virus to slow the Iranian uh, nuclear centrifuges. That's the one, right, Adam? Correct. Stuxnet, yes. Very interesting and hard to pronounce, I might say. Ravi Kondamore, we don't want to leave you out of this. What do you think? Is it a question of more government governance? Is it a question of, in the U.S., for example, should the states be legislating on this? Should this be a level of security and ethics slash morality on the part of the developers of these devices and the software that goes with them? Ravi, what's your take? Yeah, this is a combination, right? I mean, I don't think this is this can be decided by a single entity uh, to everyone's satisfaction. So the lawmakers uh, are going to be facing new challenges in this uh, data-driven world. Uh, while, as I said before, data is here to stay. It's not that we're going to go back to a world uh, where there's no data. That is like going back to the dark ages, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. uh, as, 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 now, while the lawmakers have complete control over the public forums, right, the airports, the concert halls, the, the roads and the freeways, what they do there for the protection and the security of the common man, that, that makes sense. So they have complete control, and we as citizens, do not have a sense of privacy when we are walking on the road or when we are going to an airport because there, whatever the decision that has been done, the cameras, the the metal detectors, and so on and so forth, 
they're all there for the common good. Like I said before, uh, it has made our life a little bit more inconvenient, but that is not the problem. However, when your smart home, the cameras inside of your home or your refrigerator is broadcasting data about you, then that eavesdropping is, as I call it, is, is a violation of the privacy. Whatever happens mm-hmm. inside your home, that is supposed to be private, that is sacrosanct, and that is not something that you want the customer, the companies or, uh, or somebody else to exploit, right? That was done with a sense of privacy, with an understanding that uh, this is a private conversation. And that, that unfortunately, the, the, since the vendors or the, or the manufacturers who are providing these devices now have access to the data to exploit it, uh, abuse it if they want to. Now, that is where the, the, it's a gray area, right? How much of that data can be used to improve the product and services? Because these manufacturers might say, hey, I need to improve my image recognition, right, uh, in when, when they put the cameras inside the home. Or I need to know my, I need to put more intelligence into my thermostat. So these are all things that the companies also need that data to improve the product, to improve the services, to better match with the customer's expectations. But at the same time, what if it ends up in the wrong hands? What if a rogue employee tries to uh, share that data or sell that data, right? That's the mm-hmm. area. That is the, the, we, I, there's no easy answer. Uh, there needs to be checks and balances everywhere. One thing I can think of is to make sure that the data that, that is stolen, uh, that if it falls in the wrong hands, cannot be used. Uh, assume a world where the data is captured, but everything is encrypted, right, completely. And then you mm-hmm. need a special equipment or a special device or a combination of keys to unlock it. And that may be one way where the data is never stored in clear text. So even if the hackers get access to the data, uh, they can't do anything with it, right? And there are certain technologies that are coming in. We will we'll talk more about it uh, during the closing arguments. But uh, but <laughs> there is that's the technology uh, that we may be requiring. We need it uh, so that to to ensure the safety and the privacy of the citizens. Thank you, Ravi. We are just about at the close of the show. But, Adam, I wanted to just note something in your notes here I think would be very interesting. I'm just going to read something and have you just take 60 seconds to comment. Then, Ravi, you can start preparing for your prediction. I'll give you 60 seconds for what will change around the year 2020 on this topic. But, Adam, Adam told me before the show, he said, IoT, Internet of Things, can help in three levels of security threats according to the nature of the threat. Number one, natural factors based on hazards. Number two, threats caused by incidents that appear in the system, meaning system errors. And number three, threats on systems caused by, and here's the one we've been alluding to all during the show, caused by human intended action, which are defined as attacks. Adam, just 60 seconds. Anything you want to add to that? I thought it was very interesting. Uh, Actually, I was working with uh, one country in, in Asia, and with the uh, CIO of uh, the police department, uh, he has a great vision of having high-speed cameras, and as people walk into the airport, will scan all their faces, or people go to uh, an event, a musical event or football match, scan all the audience, and if there is anybody wanted, any criminal, then that should be much easier for them to catch. That's 
a utilization of, of, of the IoT to capture or to, to put it to, to the better life of, of all of us. Uh, for example, another example is all the traffic cameras that we have, they should be able to recognize that there is an accident and automatically notify the authorities so they can send an ambulance even if, if nobody called for, for 911. Mm-hmm. That's the way that it should be. So IoT can, can come to our rescue and come to our help. And, and uh, this, is, this is something that, that uh, is still in, into the, the early stages, and it's going to take much more time to, to really mature to the level that I would love to see it at, at there. I have to compliment the CIO of that Asian country for being such a visionary and pushing the envelope beyond other countries. Thank you very much. Ravi, you are ready. Time for our crystal ball predictions round. I can give you 90 seconds. So much time, Ravi. I know you're ready. you got to nail this one. What do you see that will change significantly about this topic? IoT, game-changing, our security for good or for bad. Where will the scales tip? And what's going to happen between now and 2020 or any time you can see clearly into the future? Ravi, crystal ball, 90 seconds. Go. Okay, um, so I I'm not in the business of predicting the future. Like uh, I I, lis- I recently uh, listened to a, a well-known futurist, uh, Frank Diana, who yes. said that it is hard to predict the future, but however we need to rehearse it. What yes. he meant by that is we don't know exactly how what technology is going to play uh, play out in, in the near future or even in the f- next 5-10 years. But however, if we anticipate all the side effects of deploying such an intensive IoT network or a technology-driven environment, we could definitely plan for it. We can be ready. So readiness is much more important and regardless of how the technology plays out. So to me, what uh, so definitely, as I said, uh, whatever we have today is definitely going to make uh, progress in various directions. The security is going to get better. Uh, the the smartness of the device with uh, AI and deep learning, a lot of new technologies coming in. They're all going to make its way into your everyday life. Whether it so you are going to be connected, and uh, it's not only just the phone and the laptops or the computers that you have. But, uh, you know, your uh, clothing could uh, sense certain things. It could sense the perspiration and, and tell the manufacturer. Uh, your shoes can get smarter. All these things are being experimented. Mm-hmm. But, you know, while, it, while this may be an extreme example of being connected, but definitely it is used to improve our lifestyles. But to what, what is more interesting is uh, the, how this IoT network can be used for the public good at large, like what Adam mentioned about uh, sensing an accident and then, uh, you know, immediately notifying the authorities. Those kind of things are going to get uh, more and more prevalent and commonplace. Um, security is definitely going to improve. As I said, uh, uh, the, the sensor devices are very vulnerable to hackers, and then there's going to be a lot of new technologies like blockchain and other kinds of things that are going to get uh, deployed and used for these kind of um, of uh, environment. Um, and Ravi, Ravi, I got to stop you. I got to stop you because we're 
we're out of time and I need to give 60 seconds to Adam. So, Ravi, thank you. Very interesting. And by the way, Frank Diane is a good friend of Game Changers Radio, and he invited me to moderate a panel on his open SAP thought uh, open open MOOC, basically, uh, for thought leadership on the ethics of the future. So a uh, good friend of ours, and I just tweeted what you quoted in him, and I appreciate that. Adam Mardini, 60 seconds. Keep it tight. Predictions. Go. We're out of time. Adam? Cool. Uh, you already predicted that we will have much more devices than we have right now, and I, I firmly agree with that. But where are those devices going to go? That's where we are going to be to have really a big surprise. I mean, uh, for example, from a bridge that's going to no- notify the uh, uh, the market that you are running out of eggs and uh, deliver groceries to you to to ease our life. So there will be a lot of areas that we didn't even anticipate that uh, they will take place and shape uh, in the next few years. Uh, the other thing is, just like what Ravi said, and just like what I've been talking this, this whole uh, time about security, that it will be increased. It has to be increased. And uh, the final thing is the the awareness of of the uh, of the IoT security and and utilization. It it will be increased in the future. So people right now they didn't adapt to it, or they did, but they don't know how far the thing can go. So I predict that that will change in the very near future. Thank you very much. In the very near future is right now. Ravi Condamore, thank you so much. Adam Mardini, thank you so much. We're out of time. Shout out to Rue G at JIA. Rue, thank you for helping Adam put this together, the show and this panel. And gentlemen, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Shout out to Ira Burke. And at SAP, Ira, hope you feel better suffering from uh, trying to correct a detached retina. And we hope he's seen clearly again soon. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern today with a topic on SAP. MEs, time for your mid-year business review with Lorraine Maurice and company on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. My call to action, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. We'll be back at two. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.